Your brain does not always help you. Your brain does not always serve you. Your brain does not always work properly for you. Neither does mine, neither does anybody else's. Having a brain, I think, is the biggest burden that we face as humans on this earth. Sometimes I wish I could just be a tree or an amoeba or something, and I didn't have to think, didn't have to feel, didn't have to decide, didn't have to plan. Some days that sounds real, real nice. So if that's you, I feel you. And keep in mind, the source of what I just said is a clinical psychologist. I study this stuff. I'm passionate about brains. I'm passionate about thinking. I'm passionate about human behavior. And sometimes I hate it. So that's normal, I think. I want to help you understand some of the ways in which your brain is not always your friend, does not always help you, does not always work for you. There are two concepts that you first need to understand and know about before we can get into the details about how to make your brain work better for your purposes. The first is belief systems. A belief system essentially is a rule that we think exists about life or about the world in general. Most of our belief systems are formed in childhood because childhood is an overwhelming and confusing time of life. I think all periods of life are overwhelming and confusing to some degree, but childhood is special. I mean, it's, it can also be beautiful and wonderful, but oh my goodness, is there a lot we have to figure out as kids? Because you're a kid, right? You, you know nothing about the world. You're just getting started. And you see people doing things and not doing things and forming groups and being close with people and being distant from people and choosing one path and not choosing another path. And at some point you start to think, I'm supposed to be doing some of these things. I'm supposed to be figuring this out. I'm supposed to be deciding who I am and who I'm not and what I do and what I don't do. And I'm gonna pursue some of these possibilities and I'm gonna eliminate other possibilities. And we start asking people to figure this stuff out in childhood when people don't even know what's happening in the world. What do you want to be? We start telling people who they are when they're kids. You experienced it. Teacher says, oh, you're, you, have, you have real talent in, in art. You're an artist. And you're seven, eight years old. You don't know who you are. You don't have critical thinking ability. This is an adult, an authority figure, someone who knows what they're talking about, and you're just trying to make sense of the world and find your place in it, and someone tells you, you are this, take it in. I am an artist. I will choose the path of an artist. Someone says to you, hey, you're not very good at math. Math is not your strong suit. You're really struggling in this math class. I am not a mathematician. I am not a statistician. We take this in. That's not who I am. That's not my path. That's not what I'm meant to be. We close doors when we're kids because of one or two people's opinion, maybe. This is how belief systems are formed because we don't just form belief systems about the world. So politics are a belief system. Religion is a belief system. Sports fandom is a belief system. And once we think we know the truth, about how the world works or who we are or what our place in it is, everything we do and, in, and interpret, and think and see and feel is through this lens of this is the way things are. 
This is who I am and this is who I'm not. This is how the world works and this is not how the world works. Everything comes through these filters. And we start to only see the things that align with what we already believe to be true. That's a belief system. The thing about belief systems is you will almost inevitably have experiences or encounter situations that contradict the belief systems because they are usually way too overgeneralized to actually be true. They will have elements of truth to them, but they become laws and rules and facts when really they're maybe more like trends or generalities, right? And so you form a belief system early on in life. Nobody loves me. No one has to say that to you, right? Sometimes these are things people say to us. Sometimes they're things we infer from the way people treat us. If you are not treated with love as a child, you will personalize that. Kids think everything is about them. They have what's called self-centered, egocentric thinking. They don't realize that there's billions of other people out there in the world and billions of other things happening. They think they're the center of the universe, good or bad. So if people don't love you when you're a kid, or don't seem to love you anyway, your conclusion will be, I am not lovable. There is something about me that makes people not love me. And that can dictate your entire life. Because when you're a kid, when you're a young person, you don't have a life experience that contradicts this thing. You don't have enough experience yet. You haven't had situations that tell you, that's not true. That's not how it is. You also don't have critical thinking ability. Your brain lacks the skill set to take this idea and examine it and cross-reference it and, and, and look at the internal consistency of it and figure out, does that actually make sense? Is that true? You don't have those skills when you're a kid. So whatever is the most frequent, the most repeated message, especially if it comes from authority figures, parents, teachers, coaches, etc., it gets in. No matter how untrue it may be, it gets in and it becomes a rule. It becomes a law that we live our lives by. I am unlovable. That's a belief system. And if you believe that, at some point in your life, something's going to happen that calls that belief into question. And when that happens, the second thing you need to know about, the second principle you need to understand to know how your brain works and how to fix it comes into play. These are things called cognitive distortions. When we are confronted with information that contradicts a belief system, like these two things, this thing I believe about the world and this thing that's happening right now or this thing that just happened cannot coexist. They cannot both be true. You got two options. Option A, change what you believe. Say, hmm, I think I've been living my whole life under false pretenses. I think there's been a lie dictating everything I do for as long as I can remember. That's option A. Pretty tough to do, right? Option B, I can change reality. I can change my understanding of what is happening in this moment to make it fit what I already think is true. Nobody loves me. I am unlovable as a human. Somebody says to me, I love you and seems to mean it. 
these are on a collision course. These, these can't both be true. These can't both be true. So we're about to question, maybe it's not true. Maybe I'm not unlovable. And then at the last moment, they're just being nice. They don't mean it. We change reality. We curve the situation around the belief so that it doesn't make us wrong. That's called a cognitive distortion. Cognitive distortion literally means like a twisted thought or a manipulated thought. It's when we alter the events of our lives or interpret them very subjectively so that they still fit what we already thought was true. And that allows us to live our entire lives under a lie. Here's another example. I'm not very smart. Belief system. I got an A on that paper. Experience. These don't go together real well, right? Smart people don't typically get A's, so we're on a collision course again. Uh-oh, what's gonna happen? Am I gonna realize I might be smarter than I thought? No, the test was easy. The paper was easy. The teacher took pity on me. Twist reality so that it doesn't contradict the belief. That is a cognitive distortion. And I'm gonna give you a few categories of cognitive distortions that we experience and some skills to challenge the distortions because that's how you can start to change these limiting belief systems. You have to start by changing the manipulation of thoughts and events and experiences that sustain them. Because if you can start to let in those experiences that contradict or challenge the belief system, eventually the belief system will have no choice but to change. And you can stop living your life under lies. So before we get into cognitive distortions, I want to give you some examples from my own life, just so you can see this stuff affects everybody, okay? I once thought I wasn't very smart. I have failed classes. I have had teachers maybe not literally say you are not very smart, but at least strongly, strongly insinuate it. I barely graduated high school. I, I was on academic probation more than once. I finished with a 2.8 GPA and it took a lot of work at the end to get me there. So I lived for a long time under beliefs like, I am not a very smart person. I am not a hard worker. I probably don't have much of a future. I'm probably not going anywhere in life. I thought these things were true. You might look at me now if you know a little bit about me and think, that's ridiculous. How could he ever believe that about himself when it's so clearly not true? You are believing things about yourself that are just as ridiculous, I guarantee it. So let's talk about some cognitive distortions. One that I see a lot is what's called overgeneralizing. So overgeneralizing is when we are very selective about the experiences or events that we look at to form the foundations of our beliefs. And we only look at the things that support what we already think is true. So let's stick with the example of academics, because it's really, everyone's been in school. So everyone has some experience with being graded and being evaluated in this setting, right? If I believe that I am not a very smart person, and I have a semester where I get all, all possible range of grades, right? Say I get one A, two Bs, two Cs, one D, and one F. So I am all over the board academically, right? I'm not gonna pay equal attention to every one of those grades. 
Because some of those grades fit what I already think about myself, and some of them don't fit. I'm gonna highlight the ones that fit. I'm gonna look at those Ds, that F, and I'm gonna say, I always do this. I always screw up, I always fail, I'm not good at school, I'm not smart, and these grades are proof. Indisputable proof. These things would not happen if what I believe about myself were not true. But then we have these other grades. We have, we have these good grades. Well, how did that happen? Well, the A was in gym. Gym doesn't count. The Bs, those classes were graded on a curve. They were easy. The teacher doesn't care. The teacher gives everybody that grade. We probably don't even know if that's true. You don't know everyone's grade in the class. These are the lies and the tricks we tell ourselves to not have to change what we believe. So overgeneralizing happens when we only look at a very select subset of the data available to us. We only look at what confirms what we already think is true. We ignore the rest. If you notice that you are overgeneralizing, the way that you challenge that and the way that you change that bad habit in your mind is you expand the data set. You look at the whole thing. You make yourself notice every point in this ecosystem. Every grade I've ever had. Are they all these? Are they all Fs? No, they're not. That means something. That challenges this belief system. But you can only see the challenge if you expand your data set. Don't just look at a selected portion of it. Because when you only look at a little bit of the data, you can draw some very messed up conclusions about what the whole big picture looks like. Another common cognitive distortion is black and white thinking. When we're engaging in black and white thinking, we take something that has a wide range of possible outcomes and we narrow it down to two. It's either good or bad, success or failure, right or wrong. And usually the good category is teeny tiny, and everything else is the bad. In my pre-doctoral internship, I was evaluated on a five-point scale. And my supervisor very clearly articulated to me how this scale works. One and two, they're not great. I don't remember exactly what they mean, but like, you don't want ones and twos. That's, that's not very good, right? A three is the average skill level for a pre-doctoral intern, which I was at the time. So I should be getting threes. Threes are good. Threes mean you're on track. You're doing fine. You're right where you should be. Don't worry about it, friend. That's what a three means. A four is average postdoctoral intern, which would be a year beyond where I was at in my training at this point. So if you get a four, if you get even one four, like you should feel good about yourself today. That's a big deal. That's a good day for you. A five would be where she would expect a licensed clinical psychologist to be at that point in their training, two years beyond where I was. This person, my supervisor, she had been a supervisor for at least 20, maybe 30 years. She was nearing the end of her career. And she told me, just so you know, I've never given a five. So don't expect one. Like it's, you have to be extraordinary to get a five. And there's like 50 items on this rating scale, okay? So she goes through my rating with me uh, six months in. This was like the halfway point of my internship. And of these 50 or so items, I didn't have, I wasn't lower than a three on anything, so this was good, right? I had quite a few fours, maybe eight, nine, ten, something like that. But I had two 
fives that she's never given one in 30 years and I got two. So you might think, ooh, I bet he felt good about himself that day. I bet he went home feeling like the king in the world. I was pissed. <laughs> and I know this sounds ridiculous, but I also know you get it. Because if you think about it, you do this too. And you get, may not be the same exact domain in life that I do it in, but you do this. Look hard enough, you'll find it. I wanted all fives. I went home feeling like a failure. Feeling like a five, because in my mind, I had recoded the scale, okay? A five was acceptable in my mind. One through four, unacceptable. So I felt like I got an acceptable score in two out of 50, and I was terrible at everything else. That was my interpretation. That's black and white thinking. And that's another way that we can manipulate data, manipulate experiences to keep ourselves stuck in lies and false beliefs. If you catch yourself in black and white thinking, I want you to take whatever the domain you're evaluating yourself on and turn it from a two-point scale into a 100-point scale. Literally, zero to 100, okay? Where do you fall on that scale? Are you zero? Are you a zero? No, you're not a zero. Zero is the lowest possible point you can be on this thing, whatever it is. If you're not zero, stop calling yourself zero. That's a lie. It's false, it's untrue, and it's hurting you. Figure out where you really are on this scale. Maybe you're an 80. 80's good. Stop calling 80 zero. 80 is not failure. 80 is not losing. 80 is good. You need to recognize that. One more I want to talk to you about today, and it's something called personalizing. When we personalize, we overestimate our negative impact on other people. It's basically the exact same process as narcissism. Narcissism means we overestimate our positive impact on people. When we personalize, we overestimate our negative impact on people. So I'm at the grocery store, putting all my items on, on the, the belt. Not sure why I struggled with that word. And I try to put them up. I, I'm, I have a thing about this, okay? I know that they like to bag those items in a very specific manner, and they like to put certain items together. And I like to try to make people's lives easier. So I try to put everything up there on the belt in the way that I think they're going to put them in the bag. You know, like I keep, keep the meats together, I keep the frozen stuff together, I keep the veggies together, I keep the toiletries together, because I want them to be happy. And I want them to have a good day. So I'm trying to configure my, my groceries, my items on this belt correctly. And the cashier is just not in a great mood. They're just, they're not really smiling. They're a little short. They just don't seem happy. And I think to myself, I put those items up wrong. I messed up, I put them on the belt wrong. This is my fault. I have ruined this person's day by being unskilled at my transitioning my items from my cart to the belt. And again, maybe you're listening to this and maybe that particular example, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy is ridiculous. You do it. You, maybe you don't do it with the belts. That's a fairly specific example. 
but you do it. When people react to you some certain way, you tell yourself, that's, that's on me. I'm, I messed up somehow, this is my fault. They're not happy, my fault. When you catch yourself personalizing, I want you to think about all the other factors that go into this person's life, that go into their day. So this cashier, I'm one of what? 300 customers they're gonna see that day? One out of 300, let's say. Take it one step further. Their job is only one part of their life. This person probably has a house or an apartment. They, they live somewhere, right? They probably have a car. They probably have relationships. They have a bank account. They have a body. They have a brain. All of these things can also give us quite a bit of trouble, can they not? I am probably 0.0001% of this person's life. If, if I, I'm probably like literally zero, if I'm being honest. One cashier who I'll never see again, I, I, I don't exist to this person. So the idea that anything bad in their life is because of me, especially when I'm trying really hard to make it good, distorted. Being manipulated by a belief system I already have. I'm a screw up. I make people's lives worse. I make people's lives harder when I'm in them. False belief system. Contrary examples everywhere. So when you catch yourself personalizing, think of everything else that happens in this person's life and realize even if this isn't a stranger, even if this is somebody you're close to, you're still not their whole life. They got other things going on besides you and those other things aren't always going great. It's probably not about you. So if your life is being negatively influenced by a belief system from childhood, keep an eye out for those distorted thoughts, challenge them when they happen, start to chip away at that false belief. It'll feel a little bit like chopping down a big oak tree with a rusty ax. It's gonna be a slow process, but when that tree falls and you realize I've been wrong, this person I thought I was, these false beliefs that were holding me back, they were wrong, it changes everything. I hope you enjoyed this. I'll see you next time.